chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 this morning. Of course, it's Valentine's Day today and you know, it's we're all kind of programmed as all the things we're supposed to do around the holidays, you know, all the stuff we're supposed to buy, you got to get the flowers and do all those things, you got all the traditions, you got to take your wife out to eat and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know, do all those things that you're obligated to do and you know, we're, we're so... Uh, programmed anymore when it comes to everything, you know, just how we're supposed to respond on holidays. I mean, we through advertisement, you know, they've programmed us so much that, you know, they can get people literally to go stand in line in the cold for just a few hours on Thanksgiving, okay, when they should be at home relaxing, so they can go save just a few bucks, you know, on a DVD or maybe, you know, a little more on a television or something. They can get people to fight over that stuff. And not only can they get people to do that and spend a fortune, but people love it. I mean, that's how programmed we are. I mean, we do those things and we love it. <laughs> we have all kinds of fun doing it. And it's pretty sad. And unfortunately, though, there's a lot of areas where we've been programmed. We've gotten caught up in a lot of what the world teaches on these things. And 
some of these things end up causing devastating results for us. They cause a lot of heartache and a lot of problems. And this morning, I want to talk about how to be the perfect couple. Because on Valentine's Day, it's all about couples, isn't it? You know, and if you don't have somebody, you know, there's, you know, then you're supposed to feel bad. And it's like, you know, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thrilled to death that I'm married. But you know, the Bible still says, "Art thou bound to the wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife?" Seek not to be bound. You know, we're all taught that if you don't have somebody to be uncontent and, you know, to obsess over it and go get whoever you can. And that's, that's not the case. You can be happy and be single too. Okay? And so, uh, don't fall for all the stuff the world tells you. But in Genesis chapter 2.19, we're going to read that in just a little bit because I think we see in the Bible what we need and uh, what can help us be that perfect couple. Because the image that we have of the perfect couple today... Well, first of all, 95% of what makes a couple the perfect couple of these days, it's all about the appearance, isn't it? You know, it's if, if he's good looking and she's good looking, you know, oh man, they're just a perfect couple. You know, in the school, the perfect couple is that, it's that most popular guy that gets with the most popular girl. And let me tell you something, uh, you are not a couple unless you are married. I'm just going to tell you that right now. There's no such thing as a dating couple, you're, you know, you, you got to be married, all right? That's what a real couple is. People who are married, and you definitely are not the perfect couple if you're not even married, all right? And we'll get into some of that in a little bit. But Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Alright, so right there we see the first couple. We see the first man, the first woman. We see too that they were, uh, you know, they were perfect, okay? And obviously because they were without sin at the time, this was before the fall of man. But we're gonna see some things here in, well, that are principles that still apply today that, I mean, they mean just as much today as they did back then that will help you be that perfect couple. And so the first thing that we see in the Bible, notice what Adam said about his wife. She is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She was to be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And then in verse 24, for this cause, okay, for the cause of marriage, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. So first thing you need to do to be that perfect couple is not go and find someone and try them out for a while and then find another one and try them out for a while. No, you find you get that one person and you cleave to them. You don't let them go. 
you marry that person and you marry that person and you make it's a permanent thing. You stay with them for the rest of your life. You cleave onto them. You hang on to them. You don't let go of that person. And unfortunately today, when it comes to relationships, it's something you just try. It's something that you just, you know, you go shack up for a while and if things don't work, you move on to the next person. And I'm sorry, that is not the way it works. And we don't have time to go into a whole lot of, you know, what I think, um, you know, the whole dating subject and everything. But, you know, part of the problems we have these days, we train our kids to break up. I mean, from the time they're just little kids in school, they're always pairing up with somebody. They're always getting girlfriends. I mean, I hear kids that are 12 and 13 year old talking about their girlfriend and boyfriend. And it's like, no. Okay. You know, at that age, you're going to have friends, but they are not your girlfriend. They're not your boyfriend. You are not a couple. You are children. And they do. They get together and then, you know, you, I mean, I've known kids. I remember when I was a teenager, my wife, okay, she was my first girlfriend. Okay. And we weren't officially an item until right before we turned 20. All right. But I remember some of my friends at young ages as teenagers, you know, all devastated because they broke up with their girlfriend. I was like, man, that must be devastating. Boy, you know, you've been, you guys have been boyfriend and girlfriend for like three whole months. You know, what a tragedy. You know, I mean, in, during those three months, you didn't even live together. I mean, you know, what did y'all have to share? What, did, I mean, you know, nothing happened. You know, he gave her a Valentine, you know, on Valentine's Day or something. And, you know, they were this couple, and it was, it's ridiculous. And kids do. By the time most people get married, they have had so many different boyfriends and girlfriends. And you know what? They broke up. And their heart was broken. They were devastated. It was the end of the world. But you know what? They got over it, didn't they? And you know why they got over it? Because they were never really a couple, for one. And but they do. They think, yeah, you can get over these things. You can get married and remarried and married and remarried. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find happiness that way. That is not the way God made us. It's not the way God intended. He intended for us to get married and it be for life. You clean, well, you know, how do you find that one person? You know, how, how do you know who it is? Well, I can tell you right now, we don't have time to go into a whole lot of the, the whole dating thing and finding that person. But I'm just going to tell you, shacking up, sleeping around, all that type of stuff is not the way to go. It doesn't work. It never is not the way it's intended. You should never get physical until you get married. Hebrews chapter thirteen verse four so, you know, it says marriage okay, or is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Okay, go read through the Bible. There's all kinds of judgments. There's all kinds of things that come as a result of adultery, as a result of fornication. Any physical relationship outside of marriage is only going to lead to bad things. And it's like, well, we're engaged, so it's okay. Well, I'm sorry, it's still fornication. There's still baggage that's going to come. You see, this whole idea of staying pure till you're married, one thing that it does that it is wonderful for the marriage relationship. And unfortunately, the world is not going to be able to help you out with this situation because the world has not experienced this. The world has no clue what I'm talking about right now. But I, I know firsthand because, you know, thank God I've experienced it. Thank God I was taught this from a young age. But when you do not get physical until you're married, okay, not only does God smile on that, not only does God bless that, not only is that completely obedient, this is going to help the couple with trust. Isn't one of the biggest problems in relationships trust? 
And people think today that trust is something that's just a right. Something, you know, no, you have to trust me. You're supposed to trust me. I need, I need to know that my husband or my wife is not going to commit adultery. And you know what? If you were committing fornication before you got married, if you couldn't follow the rules before you got married, what's to make the other person think you can follow the rules after you get married? Yeah, there's obviously going to be temptations during that time when you're engaged and when you are uh, before the marriage. But if you can behave yourself then with the person you fully intend to marry, chances are they're going to know, hey, I can trust this person while we're married. I mean, it just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But unfortunately, most people, they did. I mean, with the type, with the baggage that came into their marriage, I, there's no wonder why they don't trust them. First Corinthians chapter seven verse one says, "Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman." Okay, he's referencing something they had written him. They'd obviously asked some questions about the whole physical relationship between men and women. Okay, And so he's answering it for him. He says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Fornication, while it's completely acceptable in American society, it is completely unacceptable with God. It's completely unacceptable in the church. It's not to be once named among us as become a saint. But it says to avoid fornication. We can't have that. Let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Male and female, they're going to want each other. It's completely natural. You know, your boys are going to get there eventually they are going to get interested in girls, and the girls are going to get interested in boys, and they are going to want to have that physical relationship. That is completely natural. That is completely normal. Okay? And you need but at the same time. Fornication is out of is completely out of line. There is no place for fornication in anyone's lives, and especially the life of a Christian. So he says, "Let everyone have their own. Every man have his own wife, and every wife her own husband. Let them get married. Eventually, your kids are going to come along, and they're going to say, you know, my dad, you know, I'm interested in this girl.' And you know what? Parents these days, they're you know, it's like they." They follow the world. You know, they think you're supposed to be engaged for two years and all this, and it's like it's not going to happen. Okay, you need. We have to avoid fornication. Let them get married. And I know that sounds crazy. You know, I mean, I got married at 20 years old. It's like, well, and we've got there's we've got such a laundry list of problems when it comes to you know society these days. It's like people can't get married at 20. They're still kids. They're still too immature. Well. That's another subject we need to talk about. You know, the kids they need to grow up a little faster these days. They're uh, we're babying them way too long. But people need to get married. Okay, if they if they are struggling with that, if they need that physical relationship, let them get married. Verse three says, "Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband." Okay, they are supposed to try to meet each other's physical needs and they are supposed to enjoy each other. The physical relationship between a husband and a wife, it is a wonderful thing. It is a good thing. It is something that God is completely okay with. But I'm telling you, anything outside of marriage, God is not okay with. Anything that is outside of marriage is only going to cause trust issues with those couples after they get married. And physical relationships outside of marriage... Okay, and especially if you're dating around and there's multiple people, there's going to be a lot of unnecessary baggage that you could potentially bring into the marriage. 
Okay, I mean, there's the diseases and things that are out there. And you know what? This is another thing, too, that's hurting a lot of marriages is many times there are children that come into relationships from other marriages. Now, listen, there's good stepmoms and good stepdads out there, okay? Despite Disney, you know, princess stories, you know, they're not all stepmothers are wicked, okay? But at the same time, there are, there are stepparents that have done very good jobs. But let me tell you something. Raising kids is challenging, isn't it? All right, we got any parents here? Somebody testify raising kids is challenging. All right, I've got six of them. I know it's challenging. But you know what? They're my kids. I'd have a hard time raising somebody else's kids. I, I really would. You know, I mean, my kids, they've got as many issues as any other kids. But you know what? They're mine. I, it's easy for me to overlook. But other people's kids, you know, it, that's a little harder, isn't it? And a lot of times, the things that cause a lot of the marriage problems today, it is things with the children, and it escalates when you marry somebody and they've got kids from another relationship. And you know, the truth is, if we're following the rules, there is no way that's going to happen. You can't have kids without a physical relationship, and if you... Do not have a physical relationship until you get married. Then the only way you can have kids is with your husband and wife. And that's the way God intended it. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And unfortunately, many marriages are struggling and falling apart because those marriages, they came with a lot of difficult baggage that would be hard for anyone to deal with. And we've just got to get it in our head and get that phys- the physical relationship, it's for married people. I know this is 2016, folks. I know this is America, but let me tell you, look at our culture today. Look at our families today. Look at, just look at what's happening, okay? You know, the world laughs at this stuff, but you know what? We ought to be laughing at the world. Look at what they are producing. Look at what they are seeing. Look at the results that are going on. I don't have these problems. I've seen people, I've worked with the people that were devastated when they found out their girlfriend was pregnant and they didn't know what to do. I have talked to people who were you know, crying and devastated because they found out they were about to have a kid with somebody that they weren't married to and with somebody that you know, they weren't in a relationship with. You keep yourself pure until you get married and you be only with the one that God gave you. You don't have those problems. I mean, these things are devastating for people. I have known people who financially just can't seem to make it because they're paying child support to multiple women. I knew a guy who was working. He had the same job I did. He had two other part-time jobs because he's got child support he's paying for three different kids with two different women and he can't get ahead. You know, and I'm telling you right now, kids are expensive and kids are even more expensive when they're not in your home, okay. And this is just this is just simple math here, okay. But my kids are expensive, okay. Having a family is expensive, okay. You should see our grocery bill. But you know what? If my wife decided, you know what, I've had enough of you, and she goes on somewhere else, those are my kids, aren't they? Guess what's going to happen when all the stupid court stuff starts going on? I'm going to have to start paying some child support and things. But now, if she's not living with me, now we've got another house, don't we? She's got to have another house, another place to stay. We've got two sets of bills, two sets of utilities. I can barely pay the ones I have right now. You know how much more expensive it is to raise kids in two different households than in one household? 
it doesn't work. It's even more expensive. It, you know, you would think, okay, well, what if she goes and gets another guy? And what if you go and get another woman? Even and then they're all. Even then, it's still more expensive. You still spend more. The cheapest way to do things is do get that one wife. You, you've all heard it's cheaper to keep her, all right? I I think that's in the Bible somewhere. Uh, if, if if not, you know, in, in these new versions, they should put that in there. But it's it's true. It is true. And we've got couples today, or people who used to be couples, trying to figure out how they're going to make it financially, how they're going to pay the bills, how they're going to do things, and. It's almost impossible when you're in two separate households. That is not the way it was intended. That's not the way it works. And you're, good luck having consistency raising those kids. That's not how it works. You've got and you do. You've got to find that one person and just don't let go of them. Don't let go of them. Hang on to them. We're, well, we're just not compatible. We'll get compatible. Work on those problems. You know, work on these problems. Fit, you know, figure it out. Adapt to each other. Become one. Start working together. And that and that brings us to our next point. Look what it says in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. It says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Adam had a very specific purpose. He had a job. He was supposed to take care of the Garden of Eden. That was his job. That was his, that was his role. That was his calling in his life. That was why God put him in the Garden of Eden. But notice that he needed help. He needed somebody... To work with him, verse twenty said, uh, of Genesis chapter twenty. You know, uh, the God, uh, where Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. Adam needed help. We all need help. Okay, you know, women's libs trying to teach all the women, you don't need the man. You know, your woman. You know, hear you roar. You know, you go be your, do your own thing, be yourself. You don't need the man. Listen. Men need the women. Okay? But we do. I'll admit it right now. I don't feel like I'm any less of a man because I say, I need my wife. I don't feel like I'm any less of a man because I feel like I need my woman. And women, you don't need to feel like you're more of a man because you don't need your man. Or more of a woman because you, you don't... You know. Hey, we need each other. Okay? Just admit it. God's way is the best way. And we are supposed to work together. Okay? Adam had a job, God gave him a job, and Eve was there to help him and work together. You see, the perfect couple these days, it's the perfect couple, they both have their own careers. They both have their own bank accounts. You know, they both have their own cars. They both have their own, you know, they can both have their own lives that they live. Okay, now if you have separate bank accounts, you know, I'm not picking on you. Sometimes that works, so it makes it easier to keep track of, you know, spending. Okay, but at the same time, your money's hers, and her money's her. No, you know it's yours. <laughs> Two. All right. <laughs> okay. It's both. You know, it, it it all belongs to you. All right. I know. I know your wife probably thinks different than that, but you know it's that's the way it should be anyway. But part of what you do in working together, part of your job as a couple, okay, you're you're doing you're working together, you're accomplishing something, and one of the things you do is raising children. Okay? Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. You raise children together. It's something that you both do. And I'm, 
working together, okay? Even two men that work together, okay? It helps, it, that helps friendships, doesn't it? It helps bring a closeness as a church. If we work together, it will make us closer as a church. It will make us stronger as a church as we're trying to accomplish something, as we have a common goal. And the perfect couple these days, according to the word, world, are two people doing their own thing, having their own separate lives. No, that doesn't make couples stronger. That makes them weaker. And it's just like friendships are stronger when you work together, churches are stronger when you work together, marriages are stronger when you work together, when you have a common goal, when you're trying to accomplish the same thing. You're trying, I mean, you have, you have that goal. You're going to raise those kids without killing them. Right, you're going to raise, you know, you're going to raise those kids, make them productive members of society. You're going to raise those kids to, you know, to live for the Lord and to do something for God. That when you have that goal in mind, it, when you, and you're working together, it's going to strengthen you, and and not just raising kids, even things like you know building wealth. Okay, As, you know, there's nothing wrong with couples saying, hey, you know, let's see if we can't work to, you know. Save up for this house. Let's see if we can work together. You know, save up for this car. You know, to to go on these trips. Let's try to accomplish something together. Okay. You know, hopefully y'all don't at your house. You know, I, I, you know, you're you don't have like one side that's the husband, the other side's the wives, and you know, you, you're not allowed to cross over and things like. No, it's it's all yours. Okay. You're building something together. You're accomplishing something together. You know, make sure that what you have belongs to both of you. Okay. You know, a lot of marriages they start off bad too. You know they have these prenuptial agreements where they got to go and they got to figure out what's the man's and what's the woman's because in case we divorce, okay. Hey, if you're worried about it, maybe you shouldn't marry that person. But that's what they—it's all yours. And you know why it's such a mess and it's so expensive when people get divorced? Because when you have a couple that have for years been living together, been working together, when you have two people who literally have become one and have you know, have brought children into the world, tearing that apart, putting that asunder, it, it's a mess. It's a process. And it is. It's expensive. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not worth it. You should, you should never do it. But, you know, go ahead. Accomplish, work together. You know, build. Uh, and if you want to build a business together, you know, work together. Don't be doing your own separate things. That is not going to help your marriage. You know, work together in a ministry. Okay? You know, serving in a church is a wonderful thing to do. You know, have common goals as a couple. Look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. Mark chapter 14 verse 3 says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste made of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Now I want to show you something here, what's happened. You see, one of the things that you want, that one of the best things you can do as a couple, okay, you're, when we, when you build something, you're wanting to build something that lasts, okay? You're wanting your name to be remembered, right? That's one of the great things about having kids, okay? I'm, you know, you're, it, you're going to be remembered more. I've got six kids. That means I'm probably going to have a bunch of grandkids, and I'll probably have even more great grandkids. I had my kids when I'm, when I was young. If they get married and have kids when they're young, I mean, I, I got a better chance 
of being a great-grandpa. I've got a real good chance, if I live a good long life, of having a really big funeral. You know why? Because there's, I've built a good-sized family. Okay. Now, you might not think that's a big deal, but you know what? I've been to the funerals where hardly anybody was there. I don't want that. I don't want nobody to miss me when I go. I want there to be a big crowd at my funeral. I want somebody to be crying. Okay, I want I want to, I want it to be that way. I want to be remembered. I want my name to be remembered. I want there to be all kinds of McMurtrys. That's why I'm thankful. I had two boys. You know, your girls. You have to give the girls away. You you give them away, and they take some other guy's last name, and you have the grandkids. They're your grandkids and everything, but they have they have a different last name. You know, and my sisters, they all they all married guys with weird last names too. It's kind of funny, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's not the same. And that might sound selfish, but I do. I'm trying to build a name for myself. I want there to be a bunch of McMurtrys running around one of these days. And you got to have kids to do that, right? Because you want to be remembered. But here's the thing, you know, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you don't have that. Maybe you're not gonna be able to pass a name down. Maybe you had all girls. Yeah, I just found out my brother-in-law, he's about to have his third girl. You know, and he's like, man, you got to have a boy. you got to pass the name down. You know, and uh, it, you know, I, I feel bad for him. But I you know that sounds terrible. But that's the way I think. Okay, I, I've got an old school mindset. You want to build that name. But you know what? It's not just about the name. Even the works you do, what you accomplish is something that can last. It's something that can be remembered. And look at what Jesus said about this woman who used this expensive ointment on Jesus, he said in verse 6, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do to them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for the bearing. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. We still talk about this woman today. She's been talked about all over the world because of the work that she did. And there's something about actually accomplishing something in life, something that can be remembered. And I'm telling you, you know, serving the Lord, that's something that can be remembered. That's something that can, that can last. You know, winning people to Christ. You don't forget the people that led you to the Lord. You're not going to forget that. Those people aren't going to forget that for all eternity. That's something, and as a couple, you can do that together. You can be a help to your church. You can be a help to other people in the church. You can mentor people. You can be a spiritual, you know, leader in people's lives, and you can make a difference, and that's something that will last for all eternity. You know, you can work to build wealth, but you know what? Eventually that wealth is going to go away. You can lose that wealth. The economy can collapse. You know, you can get sick and not be able to keep those things. You might have to sell it all away. It can go quick. But let me tell you, the things you do spiritually, they last forever. They can never go away. And as a couple, you working together is huge. My wife, she is not the pastor of this church, but let me tell you, you know, I believe... This is her work too. And she cares about it probably just as much as I do. And it means as much to her as it does to me. You know why? Because she's worked right alongside me through this whole thing. My, my kids, it's the same way. My kids are involved in this. 
They care about what goes on. They care about the people of this church. I mean, I, I, was, I was the same way growing up. You know, I mean, I helped at the church over there. I mean, I helped with all the projects and things around the place. And to this day, I still care about what goes on over there because I played a part in it. I did the work, and it means it means a lot to me. And I'm telling you, couples would be wise to work together in spiritual things, things that last for all eternity. It will make you stronger. And we do. We work work together in the ministry. But then finally, what makes a good couple, or the perfect couple, it's the couple that enjoys each other. Okay? Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. I've heard about the couples, you know, they take the separate vacations because they have more fun that way. And, you know, that's. That's too bad, you know. Uh, you know, there's some couples they do better apart. You know, he he travels for business or whatever, and you know, and that works out good because when they're together, it's not too good. But Bible says, you know, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? You should enjoy each other as a couple. Enjoy the physical relationship. I like in Genesis chapter 26, we see Isaac and Rebekah and Abimelech, he saw them together. And Isaac had said that it was his sister, if you remember the story. But he was looking out a window and he sees them and it says they were sporting together. And basically, you know, that term sporting, it, just, it means, you know, to play. And the way they were playing with each other, I guess you would say, or Enjoying each other, it was very clear this wasn't a brother and sister. And Abimelech knew, hey, that's his wife. Okay, and you all know that, you all know that story. But you know what? They were just enjoying each other. There is nothing wrong with husbands and wives enjoying each other and having fun together. That God is completely okay with that. He made you, He made you know, each, both of you in a way where you could enjoy each other and you know and not even just the physical relationship but enjoy each other's company and have hobbies together have things that you do together things that you both enjoy you know and there there's going to be some things husbands that you're not necessarily going to enjoy but at the same time you will enjoy them because you enjoy pleasing your wife okay i mean i go shopping with my wife sometimes and I'm thankful for a cell phone with games on it because you know when I'm at those malls, I like to find that bench and play you know play around and kill time that way because I struggle walking around for a long time. But you do those things together because you want you want to enjoy each other, you know. And women, maybe you put up with some of the things that the guy enjoys doing because you enjoy making him happy. And it's great when you can find the thing that you both can do. You know, some couples go golfing together. Okay, you know, hey. Whatever you know, if there's a sport that you got you want to do together, play tennis or you know, do those things. That I mean, it's there's you need to have fun together. And we, do, my wife and I, since our kids have gotten old enough now, where we can leave them at home, we don't have to pay a babysitter all the time. We go out on dates all the time. Why? Because we enjoy it. You know, and the kids complain sometimes. Oh, you guys are going somewhere again. My wife was like, Hey, do you want your mom and dad to enjoy each other? Do you, want to, do you want them to get all stressed out and hate each other and get divorced? It's like, well, you better let us go have fun. You know? and, and hey, it does. It makes a difference. Husbands and wives need time for each other. Sometimes you need to dump the kids off 
with the babysitter. You know, you need to dump them off at the grandparents. You know, you need to get rid of them. Go away for a night. You know, do those things. Enjoy each other and enjoy spiritual things together. First Corinthians chapter seven. We read that before in chapter. We read verses one through three. In verse three, it says, "Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband." And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Right here we see that when it comes to spiritual things like fasting and prayer, okay, if you as a husband, you decide, hey, I need some time to focus on spiritual things. I need some time of fasting and prayer. And you know what? You're, we're not going to be able to have a physical relationship during this time. You don't. You need your wife's permission before you can do that, husbands. And wives, you need your husband's permission before you can do that. Because you know why? That spiritual journey that maybe one of you is trying to go on, it's not just yours, okay? It's, it's up to both of you. You work together even on the spiritual things. I can't just up and decide that, you know what? I'm just going to go do whatever. Hey, it's a spiritual thing. It's for God. i gotta, I got to let my wife know. I can't just go and decide, you know what? I'm going to go on a missions trip for a month. Okay? Well, I'd be leaving my wife home for a month with the kids, without me. She might have a problem with that. Well, you know what? If you were a submissive wife, you would let me do that. If you were a spiritual wife, you'd let me I'm going to win people to Christ. What's wrong with you, woman? You need to get right with God. Hey, it's not just me doing these things. It's her too. You see, we are a couple. We are one unit. The Bible says they are no more twain. They are no more two. We are not two anymore, but one flesh. A lot of guys got it these days. Well, I'm the head of the home. I make all the decisions. You know what? You know, and even when I before we started this church, I talked to my wife about it a great deal. I wanted to know what she thought about it. I wanted to make she was on board with it. I was not going to go start a church if she didn't want to go and start a church. You know why? Because if she didn't want to do this, if she didn't want to help and be a part of it, it would make it very difficult. If she's going to be miserable, it's going to make it very difficult. And you know what? I know I'm, I'm the head of the home. You know, bless God. But let me tell you, I did. I, I made sure she was on board with it. You know why? Because this journey, it, well, it's not just mine. It's hers too. It doesn't just affect me. It affects her too. We are not two. We are one. And I'm going to tell you right now, we've got to get that in our head. You are no longer twain, but one. Too many married couples today are living two completely different lives, we've got to get back to realizing we are one flesh. We have the same goals. We're working for the same things. And so you do. You find that one and you don't let them go. You have the right mindset. Understand what you are. And if you'll do that, you'll be able to be that perfect couple. You will actually be a couple. These people that are shacking up today that aren't married, they're not couples. You know, the prom king and queen... They're not couples. Okay, they're going to break up before the year's over. They're not a couple. A couple 
those who are married. And when you get married, you cleave to your wife. You don't let her go. You hang on. You're one flesh. So with that, let's all stand together.